Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. the ghost of pierogi poutine. <laughs> That's what I want to be the ghost of. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I, but of course, it, poutine or poutine. Like, are we talking? Ah, uh, no, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, I, although, did you know that in French, Vladimir Putin's name is Vladimir Putin? I like, did not know. It's spelled, spelled the same way as exactly the, the same. Putin. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. I, yeah. I learned this because of this conflict, because, uh, because, uh, I, I, I guess I never saw any reason for Vladimir Putin to be uh, mentioned in a dual language <laughs> tweet from the Canadian government until this week. Um, you know, and uh, the discovery that he's named that he's named Putin was actually somewhat enjoyable in the midst of you know. And who up. and who says nothing good comes from war? Yeah. <laughs> the following section has been excerpted for preambling number three: Putin, Putin, and putting. Bruno back into the family where we talked about Encanto, uh, new Calvinism and everything that we got wrong in episode 50.75 to hear more of that. Go find preambling number three. And now back to the show. So we are in the midst of, uh, our celebration of our one year anniversary as a podcast we've been doing this jeff for a whole year this this is this is a big deal which means we've hit uh, a few plateaus that that most podcasts fall off on um you know we gotten past the what what, what are the big humps like what is a 10 20 well se seven is average seven average. okay the average pot or the median. I don't know if that's a median or, a, or an average, but uh -huh. or, or a mean, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I mean, stupid, median, stupid math things. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, why are we even bothering? Yeah. But, yeah. but, um, um, but, uh, I, I'm assuming that I'm assuming that has to be like a median, uh, podcast makes it to seven. So, so yeah, 10, 10 would be a, 10 would be a plot that many don't make it to. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then I would say, um, well, I would say, I guess it depends on the frequency, right? If, if you're, um, if, uh, but, but the, but certainly, certainly the like six month mark, would uh would definitely be one. Um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot I think a lot of podcasts kind of I I I found and started listening to podcasts that kind of drop off after six months. Uh-huh. Because it it um I guess um I guess because people's lives change over the course of six months and stuff like that. But but uh but yeah so um and then I mean we're calling this episode 51 but mm. really really we're at it's true we're at something close to episode 104 or such 
Like we're, yeah. we're really, we've, we've had bonuses. Well, so episode four was the first episode we had a bonus for. Um, yeah. But then we've had lots of bonuses over the last six months for sure. Um, and, uh, and sometimes, sometimes we've had more than one. Yeah. Uh, not that many times, but then we've also had the preambling yeah. three times now. So, yeah. so we're getting up there in terms of total. This, Yeah, we've posted a total of set. Um, um, the easiest thing to get to would be um, oh, the, for a total full playlist full playlist of, of the of the abs which i'm i'm thinking about changing that playlist to year one and just calcifying that forever and then going to year two starting uh soon but uh we've posted 76 videos uh uh that i would call part of including you know 0.5s and full so we've got and 0.75s of course we've done 76 uh videos and uh and that doesn't include the two preamblings we've done. So that'd be 78 videos that we've posted um, to our YouTube channel. And so that's, you know, that's, I mean, essentially 78 episodes of, of a podcast. We're not, you know, all said and done. And so, you know, we're, we're coming up on 100 videos posted to our channel. And, and considering that we're not doing kind of daily clips and stuff like that, that's, that's pretty impressive. <clears throat> And I think, uh, yeah, it's been it's 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 been quite a ride, and and uh, um, of consistent content, it's been really good. Um, but yeah, we it's it's if if, if Randy could have gotten those uh, daily clips going, then man, we would look like even more of a if only if only if only but Randy. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're having fun and the, and we're doing an AMA in celebration of, uh, and we've, we've, we haven't gotten to Patrick's 50 some questions yet. Um, but we're going to try and chug through, get a bunch of AMAs done for this episode and for tomorrow's episode. So we're going to try and chug through as many AMAs for both our full and .5 episode for this week. And then whatever's left, we're going to kind of drop here and there, kind of as breadcrumbs along the way um, until we get through all of them. And so we're going to uh, take up where we left off with Katie Room's questions that she had asked us. And uh, we, we answered... Her first, her third, and her fourth. I kind of skipped her second one because it looked like it would be quite a bit of... Uh, because it, honestly, I'm kind of glad we had a few weeks to think about this one. Because um, initially when I read that, I was like, ooh, good question. Um, And, and so I'm just going to ask the question. All right, I'll, I'll put it out there. This question is, could you expand a bit more about the idea of righteous hatred you discussed in episode 47 and clarify how it affects our understanding and practical application of love thy neighbor. That's a really good question. I really, I really think it's a good question. Um, because one, I remember one thing that you in particular brought up in that episode, um, episode 47, when we were talking about that, um, 
when you talked about that, you made a comment about how um, some people are some people are not wise enough or, or, or maybe old enough or elderly enough to be able to hate well or hate righteously. And, oh, yes, yes. And I kind of, in reading that question, one of the things that it kind of sparked in my mind is like, maybe I'm one of those who's too young to really know how to hate righteously. Um, because I, I know that it has to be, um, I know this word gets used too much and it's usually used to mean, uh, <laughs> not actually really doing it at all, but nuanced, <laughs> like there, there it's gotta be a nuanced sort of thing. And so, um, Jeff, I, I kind of came to what I think is an, uh, maybe an answer. Um, but I want to give you a chance to kind of react to it first. Um, what are you what are you thinking with this question? Okay, read the question again because I did not do my homework for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Could you expand a bit more about the idea of righteous hatred you discussed in episode 47 and clarify how it affects our understanding and practical application of love thy neighbor? Right, okay. Well, so I would say I would say okay. So Jesus is Jesus's answer to the question of how do I love my neighbor, where he tells the story of the of the Good Samaritan. So there there are evil men in in that story. There are there are highway robbers, and and certainly it, this isn't the story he wanted to tell and it's not the way he he chose to tell it and so let's not go too far but but certainly it would not be out of keeping with the character that he has outlined here for have returned to see if they could find someone on this obscure part of trail uh, part of the trail and stumble along the good samaritan and and he were to fight them and defend defend himself and this dying man um that would not be out of keeping and and there's there's certainly every sense in which the the scriptures rightly call that hatred and 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 they they don't and and uh the psalmist doesn't shy away from in a certain sense having a righteous hatred for his enemies in war, including when those are of his own of his own nation of of Israel. Mm-hmm. And and so for uh so to to love your neighbor in in a war to love your neighbor in in times of of injustice and depredation means to hate those who are trying to kill to hate those who are who are trying to commit injustice and to deprive um and um but to 
but to and, and this is this is where it 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 does require wisdom and 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 nuance in the in the best sense of that word but but to remember that that this is a that that we we serve an, a miraculous almighty god who turns um who turns wolves into shepherds <laughs> right that he 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 turned one of the great enemies of christianity the apostle paul into one of the great pillars of christianity mm-hmm. <clears throat> and and that that is that is always in play it 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 still mm-hmm. happens <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah um and, and i and think by the we way... can also overplay that and start to expect yeah. everyone's testimony to be an apostle Paul testimony yeah. Yeah. and 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 such and 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 that's wrong too. But but that um but that, that is that is in play, that's possible. Um so I was yeah. uh we we uh we were in um well the beginning we've we've just finished acts 8 today and um in the beginning of acts 8 um they're uh, they're spreading the gospel to the villages of samaria um and they repent and believe mm-hmm. which is interesting because in luke 9 um james and john sons of thunder uh are sent to spread the gospel to the villages of samaria they get nowhere, they're rejected, and they say, should we call down fire from heaven and destroy these villages of Samaria? And 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 Jesus and Jesus won't let them because mm-hmm. Acts 8 is coming. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. so we've gotta we've gotta um not be too quick to deal out death and judgment, as uh Gandalf says. <laughs> yeah. Um so, uh, sorry, you were trying to you were trying to get in there, and I, I and I uh, was holding forth. No, no, no. I I think um, it's interesting that you you bring that up because like uh, Eric Raymond, I think it was uh, a TGC, uh, wrote an article recently uh, on exactly. I think that his his subject was, um, gosh, what was it? Uh, a wolf meets the good shepherd. Oh, um, about the conversion, um, and Eric Raymond, he has a blog at at, at TGC. So we, you know, we went we we rip on TGC when it needs to be ripped on, and we give it the the respect that it deserves when it 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 does uh, something good. Um, he also planted a really good church in uh, Omaha that I visited a few times. Um, just saying. Um, now I guess he's in Boston or something like that, but you know, whatever. They they all eventually end up in the cities, right? Um. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, well, but even, seriously, even Omaha is city for Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, but seriously, um, it was, you know, he wrote, he wrote that same thing. Um, and that's, that's a good point. And, and I think there is, okay. So this all, I think this whole discussion has to center around a particular passage in the Beatitudes. Um, we're looking at 
Matthew 5, 43 to 48. And it just so happened that that was the passage being preached on uh, in my church. We're going through the Beatitudes uh, on, on the Sunday that we were recording this episode. And so that question was fresh on my mind. I had just read it, that question, um, the night before, thinking about how I was going to answer it. And then we preached this passage. And interestingly enough, this doesn't actually complicate it. It actually brought clarity to me. So for one thing, it follows right on the heels of, and they talk about, and we actually preach them both together, the turn the other cheek passage. And uh, my lead pastor in preaching on this passage makes a comment. This doesn't just mean you turn into a doormat. And he just makes the comment and walks on. And I was just like, man, that's a, that, that, that phrase is full of, of meaning. And I know why he walked away from it. That wasn't the point of the text. So, you know, you you preach the text, you don't, you don't spend too much time on the, on the nuance, but, um, but I kind of was like, you know, the question I always ask is like, at what point do I stop turning the other cheek? And I, and I, and for one thing, like I was like, at what point am I turning the other cheek? Is my turning the other cheek actually not good for the person hitting me? Now what I'm doing by, by constantly letting them hit me and strike me, I'm actually doing damage to their soul by allowing them to continue to hurt me. And also at what point, like, do we tell the person who's being struck when I'm looking at someone else, stop letting them hit you. This isn't okay. You know, um, you know, the case of the battered wife. And, uh, at what point do we say this isn't okay? You don't, you can't just keep turning the other cheek. You got to leave. Like, even if she's willing to take the, the hits for the sake of maybe leading him to repentance and like, try to whatever, whatever she may be thinking at some point we have to step in and be like, stop, you can't keep turning your cheek. You can't keep letting him hit. Um, but also the question I asked was like, at what point am I letting am, by letting someone strike me, am I allowing them? Am, am I actually going to harm someone else? Because this person is going to feel like they can strike someone else out. Like I I'll, I'll never forget this conversation I had with a young woman, uh, in a, in a ministry as part of where this young woman confessed to me that she had been raped and she, uh, and she was like, and I, I asked her, like, did you report him? And she's like, well, no, I don't want to. I mean, he, it's just like, like she, and she's like making all these excuses for him. And I'm like, honey, <laughs> if he's willing to do it to you and he gets away with it, he's willing to do it to someone else. If you let him get away with it, you're not going to, you, you, you could not be stopping it. Like, I'm not going to say victim blaming, but like, in some ways, if you let him get away with it, that's got to be on you a little bit when he does it to someone else, right? Like, there's a sense in which, at some point, my turning the other cheek is also allowing this person to go strike someone else. And especially this is when we talk about, you know, government, like government overreach. It's not just about my freedom. If it was just my freedom, fine. But the fact is, it's my it's the freedom for the rest of the people of this country, the freedom for my children, the freedom for my, who I'm supposed to look out for and, and, and for my flock. Like I, I can't just roll over a government overreach because it's not just about me. Um, that, and that kind of, uh, sets it up because then, th- th- uh, 43 to 48 says, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, some would say at this point, okay, 
throughout this entire chapter, Jesus is saying, you've heard it said this, but I say this. And each time he's quoting the Old Testament law and not taking away from that law, but adding to it, going deeper, saying it's not just about the action, it's also about the heart state that leads to this action. And in this case, we say, uh, most commentators would say, this is the first case where we find something not actually written in the law. The say, you shall love your neighbor. Yes, it's in the law. But the hate your enemy part isn't in the old covenant. And I would push back and say, but it's kind of all over. Like it's all over the Psalms, all over the the warfare passages of the Old Testament. Like, no, this is I and, we, and what we've been making the case of is that this is a common theme in the Old Covenant. The Old Testament is that you know you hate. I do not do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord. I hate them with perfect hatred. Uh, like there's there's um there's a there is a theme there and they might be picking up that theme. And Jesus is saying this here, but he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. Okay. So this is the part where I would say, if that is all he says, our case is sunk <laughs> and we should, we should put away this, uh, this concept of righteous hatred um, and love your neighbor is means just no 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 righteous hatred at all um and yet it goes on and it gives a reason for that for that especially for that that you may be sons of of your father in heaven for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust and of course he goes on for if you love someone those who love you what reward you have do not the tax collectors do the same if you greet only your brothers what more are you doing than others do not even the gentiles do your same you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect and that's a you know brutal end line but we're outside the scope of what we're talking about but <laughs> but that 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 part where he says this is how god loves um the unjust and the evil is by send, making his sun rise on them and sending rain on them. So this is, this is um, referring to what theologians have commonly called common grace. That God shows this favor um, to all people, righteous and unrighteous, that he, he causes you know rain and sun to, to shine on them and rain to fall on them, that good things happen to them. And that is a, since God is providentially in control of all things, this is a grace. Um, this is a grace to all people. So this is a, a showing, this is a sense in which we are to imitate our father who loves these people. But, and this is where, where some people be like, I actually, we were in a discussion group. We have a discussion group afterwards and I, I brought this up and yet what does God say? Also, Jacob, have I loved and Esau? Have I hated? Right. Like God hates Esau. He said it. He said it. Like he said God, that he hates Esau. I loved 
Jacob, and I hated Esau. And yet, he loves Esau and that he causes rain to fall on him and sun to rise over him. And he, he gives him the skills of a hunter and he gives him success in the hunt. You know? Right. Well, right. And, and, right. And it's before the twins were even ever born or had done anything good or bad. Right. So he blesses Esau immensely. Yeah. For someone he hates. For someone he hates. But, um, but he is sovereign over Esau's foolishness where Esau continuously is uh, uh, his own worst enemy um, in the story. So, so that's the sense in which you can see the hatred. And so there's, this is where I'm going to say, I have come to realize lately that I probably still fall within the category of youth in a biblical sense. And so there's there it's it's interesting there's a moment where I I was reading Proverbs 1 1 through 7 for the 100th time because I always like to I start there before I've been, I'm trying to memorize as I've said the book of of Proverbs and I always start with 1 1 through 7 to center myself on what is the purpose of the Proverbs. And I always think of 2 3 and 4 as being kind of the three purposes of every individual proverb. 2 to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So that's that's the first purpose. That knowing a proverb gives you wisdom. Period. Two, to under to um, receive instruction and in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and uprightness. So it teaches us not just wisdom, but how to walk wisely. And the third thing is to give knowledge to the simple, or to give discretion to the youth. Knowledge and understand. Uh, forget uh, knowledge to the youth. So to to teach the simple and the youth. And uh, I've always taken that as, so the third use of the proverb is then you use it to pass on knowledge to someone else because there's such a communal way of wisdom in Proverbs. You know, hear my son, give ear to your father's teaching, uh, you know, incline your ear to my wisdom and to my sayings. And there, these, these aren't just something you read on your own. You're just meant to pass them on. Well, at some point in, in praying over that, I realized, you know, I'm probably still at the point where I should be taking in wisdom. Like I am the, the, the simple, the, the youth being, being taught. Um, and I'm, and I don't mean that in like a humble, like, Oh, look at me lowering myself. No, I mean like really I fall in the age range that probably still counts as youth. I'm, I'm about out of it, but I'm still kind of in that age range. And so it could well be, that this is a wisdom that is too deep for me. How to love and hate the enemies of God. Um, and that's who I want to right. hate, you know, so, so we and to hate be, righteously. We should be slow to speak, slow to anger. <laughs> um, yeah. but, um, but understanding that that we want to be able that that that's not a that that's not a an evil that we should be avoiding that it's actually a good thing that we should be maturing 
to mm. the point that we yeah. can righteously execute. And and yeah, so, like, right? yeah. so this actually sort of connects. Sorry. No, go on. This actually sort of connects with our preambling where we were talking uh-huh. about Encanto and and the the way age and youth is treated yeah. um, in that. Now, uh, and we talked about how the aged can sometimes be wrong and they can sometimes gl- have gleaned less wisdom uh, than they should. And the Bible is not unfamiliar with that either. Yeah. In, in Psalm 119, it's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. way down buried in it um, because uh, God wants you to work for it. Um, so in the longest Psalm in the Bible, uh, <laughs> starting in verse 97, and this is, this is the, the mem section mm-hmm. of, of, uh, uh, Psalm 119. It, it, Let the hearer understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and so, and so starting in verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Then 98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for mm-hmm. it is ever with me. Okay, so that, so that, so that, having God's commandments close at hand, loving them, cherishing them, making them, making them ever with you, makes you wiser than your enemies. Mm-hmm. Ninety-nine. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Mm-hmm. So that a student who meditates and who works hard and who chews over and who and who loves the law and works it over and and, and squeezes every last drop that it has to say uh, to him mm-hmm. can surpass a teacher in understanding from that meditation. I understand more than the aged, mm-hmm. for I keep your precepts. Mm-hmm. So that obedience to the precepts obedience to the law yeah. can can help the young leapfrog leapfrog the aged mm-hmm. in understanding not just in not just in holiness not just in righteousness not just in obedience but in understanding because <laughs> we have a tendency not to understand things that we don't mm-hmm. want to understand because they would be Mm-hmm. They would be, they would condemn us if we understood them. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, and then I, and I'll I'll read the rest quickly, but I want to get to the to the end of of section mem here, uh, where it says, um, "I hold back my feet from every evil way, in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are the are your words to my taste." sweeter than honey to my mouth through your precepts i get understanding therefore mm-hmm. i hate every false way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and and so so the bible does and then um and then it is i think i think we've gone here before in this exact pattern but so then if any of you like lack wisdom let him ask of god mm-hmm. who gives to all liberally now mm-hmm. what is god going to do he's going to point you to his word he's going to point you to yeah. his precepts yeah. he's going to show you he's going to show yeah. you how to get at wisdom yeah 
Um, yeah, I, I agree. That's great. Um, I thought that's actually exactly where I thought you were going. So, uh, it's nice. That was very Excellent. good. Um, I would also say this. I love, I love to be predictable when I'm talking about the play. <laughs> uh, there is a sense also in this, um, love your enemy thing place. And also in the love your neighbor of the Samaritan story where I think context matters but not not literary not historical even but biblical theological context also makes a difference the gospels are written for a church that has already come to the basics of faith for one thing and second and, and yet it tells of a story right at the hinge point of the old new covenant transition that is the hinge point uh, of the old new covenant transition and so it was important for them to know the Christians who were first coming out of old covenant, as I think is the context of, of Matthew. I think Matthew is written to um, Jewish believers. Um, the way Jesus speaks as a rabbi and the way it is so connected to scriptural prophecy and such. Um, I think this, this is probably what's going on. And it's important for them to realize that something is changing. Um, namely, who your enemies are is changing. It was right for Israel to hate their national enemies. And it is still right for the Christian to hate their spiritual enemies. Like every smart aleck, every church has that smart aleck. Every youth group, let's be specific, has that smart aleck. When we're talking about love your neighbor or love your enemy, who comes up with a, oh, but isn't the devil my enemy? So shouldn't I love, so should I love the devil? No, no, you should hate the devil. But there's a transition going on at the time of the, 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 the Beatitudes of the, of the Sermon on the Mount being written that we are going from. The old covenant, which is a national covenant, a covenant for a nation, for a, 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 an ethnic people of known as the Jews and the nation of Israel and going to a supranational and international, a, a inter in the sense of inter between nations, uh, a Jew and Gentile covenant, a covenant that is spiritual. And so even as we read, this is something when we talk about, when we're reading the imprecatory Psalms, when we're reading um, the uh, hatred Psalms, we need to remember that um, our enemies are different than Israel's enemies. It, there, there's a sense in which, um, there's a sense in which uh, your enemies were about to change. There's a sense in which loving your enemies makes a lot of sense when they might not actually be your enemies. It's the thing that I, I, so I often think about. Like, uh, there are many nations that have shot guns at each other and later found to then later found out they were neighbors in heaven. To the person who they shot at and maybe killed or maybe were killed by like there, there will be a lot of, I, I would, I, I used to say uncomfortable conversation, but I don't think it'll be uncomfortable at all. I think there'll be a, a lot of remarkable interactions of people who fought each other in wars 
and find themselves sitting near each other at the banquet table of the bridegroom of the bridegroom and the bride supper. Um, and so there's a sense in which loving your enemies and loving your neighbor um, becomes more of a uh, because you don't know. It's kind of that same reason why we preach the gospel to everyone. You know, like the, the question always asked of the Calvinists, why, why bother preaching the gospel if God's just going to save whoever he wants to? Because he's going to save whoever he wants to through my prayers and through my gospel proclamation and also through my showing love to them. Right, my showing love to my enemy, my neighbor, my whoever, whoever this may be, the Samaritan, or or vice versa, as it were, the the Samaritan showing love to the 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 beaten man, because I don't know who God is going to save. Right, I don't know who God is going to save. I and so so the reason we preach the gospel to them, the reason we love, the reason we pray is because I don't know if the Lord is not going to work through my prayers and my gospel. And I don't know who it is. He's going to save. And so I need to preach the gospel to everyone. I don't know who, who is a wandering lost sheep and who is a, a died in the wool wolf. Who's never going to come. Like, I don't know who is who. And yet, the Bible also speaks of those who have seared consciences, who have, have burned off the sensitive edges of that's what that means of their conscience that they can no longer feel. They've hardened their hearts to such an extent they cannot hear. Who are they? Those are the ones that Jesus also says, because it's the same Jesus in the same sermon who says for them, by the way, Shortly after he says, do not judge lest you be judged, which makes me think that maybe we're misunderstanding that verse. He says, do not cast your pearls before swine or give to the dogs what is holy. Like that's the same Jesus who says both things. There are those for whom it is not worth your time. There, there are those for whom when Jesus sends out his disciples, yes, he doesn't allow them to call fire down from heaven on them, but there's some towns that he says, if they don't receive you, wipe the dust from your feet. Shake it off. I don't even want the dust of your, sh of your feet clinging to my shoes because, it's, because the judgment coming on you, those you can hate with a righteous hatred because those ones are not just, they're never just seared consciences. The ones who they're talking about are not just, are never just people who are like, mm, I'm not interested. Just, you know, go, go, go to the next guy. It's always the ones who not only oppose, but are actively destructive toward the faith. And, um, sure. There's always a possibility of another Paul. Well, let's also acknowledge that Paul is not normative. Right. And, and what did Hanani uh, Ananias, what, uh, Hananiah, Ananias, yeah. same, same, uh, uh, if you, if you never caught that, by the way, Hananiah in the old covenant scriptures is the same as Ananias in, mm -hmm. in both places in acts. Anyway. Um, so, 
But so what did what did we'll call him Hananiah need to minister to this blind and 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 completely helpless Paul? He needed direct revelation from God. Yeah, <laughs> like it 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 would. God was not calling on His people to, uh, to to just. Uh, well, if uh, uh, you know, I have to love my enemies, so I'm going to go, uh, you know, hang out with Paul and just try to love him into the kingdom, and you know, uh-huh. and just uh, you know, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you were you were supposed to run away from him until yeah. God told you not to. <laughs> yeah, but. I think really the issue is in the new covenant world, and this is where we, ta- uh, how do we square it with love your neighbor is we acknowledge that we are in a different world than the old covenant was. Our enemies are not always going to be our enemies. And so, yes, while we pray in precatory Psalms against, uh, let's, you know, let's, let's not name any names. Let's just call him Brandon. Um, while we're praying in precatory Psalms and for, for God's judgment to come upon them, let's also pray. And Lord, if it be your will, lead him to repentance, that he would stop harming his people and our people, and that he allow us to live peaceful lives. Like people always for- miss that part when they're like, pray for kings and, uh, and, and such. We always miss the part. What for? That we may live peaceful lives, <laughs> that they would leave us alone. <laughs> right. That's largely the prayer is, is I pray that God would allow us to continue doing our work under them. I mean, Fiddler without having the new Testament kind of nailed it. Oh, nope. A little bit of a pause. Got your lag. (laughs) Okay. Uh You kind of lagged there. Sorry, bud. You lost me for the Fiddler. Okay. Fiddler. Fiddler. Fiddler got it right. I, I was saying that um, even though it's depicting a, a community that did not have the New, New Testament, uh, Fiddler on the Roof got it right. Is there a blessing for the czar? There is a blessing for everyone. Lord, bless and keep the czar far away from us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Um, so so that, I, that's pretty that, much what we're being what we're being called on to pray. Although yeah. I need to, I have to, I have to jump in here and say, you're praying for national leaders as a church. That sounds like a Christian nationalism to me. Hey, we're you, against you, those you, things. You did a, you did a Christian nationalism. David Frog is going to red flag you. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Let's move on to question five from Katie Room, which we now know that is the orthodox pronunciation of her last name. Um, at Periapsis Press, we'll link to it because it's a good it's a good website. You should go there. Um, she asks in question five, and five and six are both Tolkien related, by the way. Actually, five, six, yeah, five, six, and it looks like a six and a half kind of thing. Um, <laughs> what, in your opinion? is the most important part slash aspect of Tolkien's work. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I would say the understanding of the um, the understanding of enchantment and how it works mm -hmm. in the real world, and and how he how he layers that into his world, um, where where the universe is sung into existence, and mm -hmm. and you you often you do magic in this universe by by singing the song that brought these things into existence and 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 by and and by developing on uh, a musical theme you can you can manipulate the elements which is why which is why the wizards specialize in certain kinds of elements because you you learn the songs that go with those kinds of elements um Tom Bombadil, by being the oldest, knows all the songs. Mm. What that means, we won't get into at at great length. But somehow, by being by being the oldest and the master of everything, he knows all the songs for at least his section <laughs> of mm -hmm. wood. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and, uh, and so, but but the uh, um, but the 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 minor we know of and know our minor, uh, are are specialize in certain specialize in certain kinds of, of magic because they're learning how they're learning the enchantment of creation and I'm using enchantment on purpose because of the connection between chant and enchantment yeah. um, um mm -hmm. they're uh, um they're learning that and learning learning how to how to sing or how to chant in harmony with mm -hmm. with the with what brought this into creation and this is all um and so that's the one that's the one thing that i think is um and then, and then, and so then that that idea of creation is so robust and rich and true that mm -hmm. it's a a great foundation for a real story with real depth that can build in 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 yeah in all these directions and can um, and can support, like I said, the kinds of stories I like, which which have strong world building and politics that makes sense and, mm -hmm. and international relations that makes sense and, um, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and all this kind of thing, because, because they're, they're richly and robustly built in the world that God made or, <laughs> or the world that God made um, or, or a version, a, a, a version of it close enough um to reflect it um and so so i think that i think i think that decision and that foundation gave gave his world such depth and resonance and 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 as such a reality to it that it it made it um it it, it made everything else sort of make sense and so i guess um uh, I, I guess, I guess, I think that that I guess that's my answer is that 
is that and I've, I've i've now forgotten the exact question i'm answering but that but the the most important part of how he built mm -hmm. his world was that the question uh the um, most important part or aspect of tolkien's work yeah okay I, I then i would say that i would say i would say that the creation the creation myth mm -hmm. <laughs> um becomes foundational to all kinds of parts mm -hmm. of the story and sets and um and sets up the sets up the world um in a way where he's able to sort of obey his own rules and 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 yeah he doesn't have a he doesn't have a hard limited magic system and all that kind of stuff and we talked about that a bit um with paul but um but he has a magic system then that's tied in with the mythos of his world in a way that's satisfying even and that and that makes sense for the story that he wants to tell even if he's not even if he's not sort of giving you a a power gauge <laughs> or a magica points or something to to make it to make it more mm -hmm. of a hard uh, hard yeah. fantasy sort of sort yeah. of thing so anyway but i i i i love that i i think it was I think it was absolutely um, uh, critical, and and one of the, and by the way, one of the reasons why I think fantasy really exploded in following in yes. Tolkien's footsteps, yes. and then you did get a lot of this stuff yes. that we're talking about yes. where they improved on that. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yes, and I'd say like there's so many ways I can answer this question. It's so hard. The hard thing is hooking into. <laughs> What do I? What do we mean by the most important part or aspect of Tolkien's work? Like on the one hand, like do you mean like do we could say uh, artistically or historically? Like the truth is, the fact that dwarves is spelled the way it is is because of Tolkien. That we have right. a concept of elves, elves, not elves, is because of Tolkien. He changed the linguistic world. We it's it's interesting because I reading his introduction and and some of his his typeset issues, he talks about like how he was very serious about not calling it dwarfs but dwarves. And it's like reading it now, we're like, well, of course, because that's how you spell it. But that's because of him. Like the rules of sci-fi were set in Tolkien. Right. Like, like, or not sci-fi, sorry, fantasy. The rules of fantasy are set in Tolkien. Like, oh, yeah. D&D &D is a, uh, the Dungeons and Dragons world is a Tolkien world. Now, because we're trying to secularize it, it's not always understanding Tolkien's world, but um, you could say, uh, for one thing, if you want to say what's the most important aspect of his world from a cultural or historical perspective, fantasy exists the way it does because of Tolkien. For sure. And that's why when, when uh, George R.R. R. Martin starts taking a uh, dump on Tolkien, I'm like, uh, that's your daddy you're talking about, boy. Uh, you... You know, <laughs> Martin, Martin made me appreciate Tolkien so much more because what made me want to read Martin um, didn't, didn't want to read him because of anything else I'd heard <laughs> about the books what made me want to read martin was when he said in an interview that um uh that tolkien handles all of the ruling part uh 
with um, um, with Aragorn. He handles all of the ruling with like two sentences that Aragorn reigned for 50 years and he was a wise and just king or something like that. He's like, and, and, and Martin's like, I found that so unsatisfying. What was his tax policy? What, what did he do about the orcs? There were still orcs in the mountains. Did he, did he commit a genocide? Like what? And, and, and when I heard that, that made me interested in what direction that would go because I'm obsessed with politics and world building. Uh-huh. And, and, uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm like, okay, that question is having wanting wanting a world that digs more into that um one having a world where everyone's kind of bad um especially at that at that stage in in my in my theological understanding where (laughs) um where i where I kind of did want uh, a world without clear heroes or good guys i just read graham goldsworthy before I picked up uh, and, and he hammers, there are no heroes here and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and uh, so I just read Graham Goldsworthy before I read Martin the first time and, and, and all this stuff. So, um, uh, so that made me want to read all that. And then when I did, I appreciated Tolkien so much more because uh-huh. oh my goodness, uh, I will quote Katie Room here because she had the great, his, Martin would not know you catastrophe if it finished his book for him. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. It's yeah. a great quote by Katie Room. Shout out. Amazing. Yeah. Do not know you catastrophe if it finished his book for him. Oof. It's true. And that's like Patrick says in the, in the chat, you know, what one big difference is that Tolkien finished his series. Yeah. Although yeah, technically he didn't. Kidding. He never actually finished the yeah. really book. <laughs> he finished the actual book. Pay no attention to the unfinished tales. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but <laughs> but he finished his trilogy. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> but I would say, and this is what the what okay, but we want to say so this is the external. The external answer to the question is he fantasy fiction is what it is because of Tolkien. He he hangs a shadow out over every book. Even if you don't like Tolkien, your favorite fantasy book is what it is because of Tolkien. It's kind of like philosophy, love it, love or hate the Bible, all philosophy is sit, is sitting in the shadow of the Bible. It is what it is. Right. Um but if we want to say in world, in world, what is important, most important aspect of Tolkien's world work in world, I would say what I, I think it all comes down to, like I could come up with a hundred different things because I do believe that good fiction teaches virtue, not in the preachy evangelical bad church movie sense, but it teaches virtue. Like I, I once made a tweet, like one of the big problems I have with modern fiction is they don't know how to handle virtue. Like I don't want my Aragorn to have, to, to have self-doubt issues. Although that does come into Tolkien's series. Like I'm, he's right now, uh, I, I'm reading with my, with my boys just starting the second book and he's got lots of doubt. He says, ever since I've taken over leadership, everything has gone wrong. The whole, the fellowship is broken. You know, like he, he's got some self-doubt issues and he's, 
even somewhat wondering where to go next because he's he's doubting himself. And yet I want in the end, I want I don't want him to show me I don't want to see myself in Aragorn. I want to see something better than me that I can aspire to. And that's I think something that the modern uh the modern art world doesn't get is this idea of aspiration like you're not let's not put real characters on the screen like me yeah let's put a few in there that we can i can find myself in the story but but there's sort of an aspirational aspect of great of great fiction um and there's so many virtues to be found in tolkien's work of of, of uh like his pastoral worldview um but i by which i don't mean pastor in the church shepherd sense but in, in the sense of old pastoral uh, poetic tradition of like the 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 beauty of nature and of the shepherding lifestyle because of course pastor is the latin word for shepherd and that's where it all comes from um and so um yeah yes yes patrick says i don't want him to be sleeping with eowyn i want him to be a one woman man yeah um i have a say also a similar feeling about james bond for the diff- for a different reason, there's a sense in which when I watch James Bond, I don't want to see like a a guy getting beat up. I want to see this larger than life, untouchable <laughs> super spy. Like I don't, but that's for a whole different issue, not for virtue. But <laughs> but but anyway, um, but there's but the pastoral worldview that like that this this serious like an actual serious conservatism one that modern conservatism can't hold a candle to like of of like the value of tradition um a very strong suspicion against modernism and and and, and machines and you know he's got a mind of machines now as treebeard says you know um the uh mind of middle of yeah 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 and and uh and you've got like there's that and there's the catastrophe which is really if we're going to get down to it providence the sense that right. there is a hand in the universe other than human hands moving things to their ultimate conclusion um but i think all of that can be wrapped up in one simple concept and this is really what makes tolkien's work so valuable so such that i can live in it for my whole life and it's going and it, i will live in it my whole life um is the myth making aspect and that's really what he was what nobody's getting and i've been hitting hard lit recently especially in light of certain decisions that amazon prime has been making is that myth making he said that this was before uh he started his work Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he started his work before the disco- uh, discovery of um, and, and popularization of Beowulf. Um, I I believe you're right about that. Yes. And, and, and so it was Arthurian legend was kind of what. Yeah. What he had. And he and he updated and published a lot of Arthur, Arthurian legend himself and his major problem with arthurian legend was that it was fundamentally french he's like the britons don't have their even our own mythology is really a french mythology and so you know and 
and for that and for that matter would he have said the same except norse if he had had Beowulf. yeah yeah Beowulf i mean is, it's fundamentally norse in many ways oh yeah maybe, danish yeah maybe De- yeah thinks, maybe he maybe he thinks that that is enough but but yeah i, I mean it's very anglo <laughs> Anglo-Saxon, I think, is, is you know somewhat, but but like his big thing was that there was no British mythology. Uh, let's let's not say British. The mythology for the Britons, <laughs> like there there was there wasn't something like that, and he wanted to kind of develop something that could be like that. And so he was myth making, and and I think that's why, like you know, we talked with with Paul Thompson about the the poetry, and and saying like, and 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 I think that's what the poetry is. Like I, I made a comment in our Discord server, which you can join in uh, on for one dollar a month by going to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover plugged, and but I, I made a comment about how I was reading the the um section after they they the in the in chapter one of the two towers. Uh, the Boromir's departure where um, Aragorn sings a song to the North wind about Boromir. And then Legolas sings a song to the West wind. Uh, I might be getting the directions wrong, but about up uh, for about Boromir. And then Aragorn sings a song to the, to the West, to the South wind. And each of them has this theme of like, what do I hear? What message do we hear from the South wind from the West wind from the North wind about Boromir who has fallen. And then at the end of it, Gimli says, "You left the East Wind for me, but I didn't have the heart to tell to to sing it." And then Aragorn responds, "Well, it's good that you didn't, because the Minas Tirith does not look to the East Wind for messages." And so, what's interesting is, I while reading that, I suddenly realized, "Oh, this is what the poetry does." Like it, it kind of hit me for the first time. Like that's what the poetry is doing in, in Tolkien's world. This is what mythology does, right? Mythology does what mythology does. They tell the story and then they take some song that they hear that they've heard. Like the, the, the thing you're supposed to imagine is that Minas Tirith is singing this song of, uh, of, of Boromir from the, the North, South, the North, West and South winds. And, and he is taking that song and he's putting it on the lips of their great King Aragorn. Right, we don't want to know his tax policy. He is a mythological king that they look right. to, and he's putting this great song about this hero Boromir on the lips of their great king. And 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 this that's what these poetry is doing is it's connecting poetry that they would have known from their world into this. So so once again, we have to remember that in world we're supposed to imagine that. The Hobbit is written by Bilbo and that the Lord of the Rings is written by Bilbo and Frodo and Sam, (laughs) a combination of those three. And so we're supposed to remember that in world, there's a different author for these stories. And and again, that's why the unfinished tales work. That's why an unfinished and somewhat contradictory Silmarillion and some uh, history works is because that's also how myths work. You hear multiple stories, like like um, uh, like like you could. You, there's Greek legends and Greek mythology. You can find multiple different stories of how these different things happened, 
And so the reason it works is because that's how myths work. Yeah, and, and that's how history works. Some people think it happens like this. Some people say it like this. I think maybe it's more like this. You know, like, and that's that's what, especially ancient history, it's how it works. And and so the myth-making aspect of Tolkien's work, I think, is so important, not only uh, for understanding his work and also for what makes it work as a work, but also I think what Christians need to take away from Tolkien's work. Like, along with the enchanted worldview that you're talking about. Um, we are people of the word. We should be able to tell stories where enchantment word magic happens, but, but we, we end up so literalistic in, in, in our, if we're going to talk about Christianity, it's gotta be because there's a explicitly Christian theme to it. Um, but there's something to just creating a providential world. I think a cr Christians should get you catastrophe better than everyone else. That things don't just go wrong. They go wrong in the best way possible. <laughs> that um, the world is magic. You should get that. Right. That the world is magic. And also this, this need for myth-making. For, for worlds that are deep. Because we live in a world that is deep and and we should be creators based on our creator you know <laughs> um but we're doing that yeah. thing again where we get caught up on one question and don't <laughs> although I, I have three quick things hopefully um, we'll to see. say <laughs> jumping off of from what you said i mean never true um the so uh so yeah first of all um i'll first hit on the the pastoral uh emphasis i think so that poll that we both shared where we agree the objectively the objectively correct uh answer in that in that poll it had four four locations in middle earth is where 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 would you want to live, um, and and, uh, and 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 we we totally agreed um, that uh, not Minas Tirith. What was the Gondolin. other? Gondolin. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Of course. Which city in <laughs> we, its pinnacle was the question? Right. Hobbiton. Right. My uh, Minas Tirith. Uh, Gondolin and Khazad Doom. So, at the peak of their civilization, which one would you like to visit most? Right, right, and and so we agreed that objectively the answer was was Gondolin. I picked Khazad Doom because I need how it it, it it had such a short peak, and how how could you not? It, it just uh -huh. I would have found it endlessly fascinating, even though I agreed that Gondolin, but the and I was in the vast, vast minority on that one. Um, but but what was winning the poll, at least when we both shared it, was Hobbiton. Oh, not when you shared it. No, no, I no, I agree. Which I'm I'm shaking my head because it makes no sense. Oh yeah, yeah. But Hobbiton was winning. <laughs> but I think it's because people who read the books capture that pastoral emphasis. Yeah. And 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 it's so attractive. 
yeah. that it makes you want to live in Hobbiton, even yeah. though that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and of course, someone responded like, but watch this video. So like something like watch this video about the politics and culture. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't have to watch that video. I know that culturally and politically, I am meant to long for the Hobbiton way of life. But right. that is actually, but here's here's my my comeback. That's actually possible in this world, <laughs> right. which I think is part of Tolkien's point. Gondolin, <laughs> that's a whole other monster. <laughs> and I would just, I don't right. understand how you could pick anything other than that. But any, but anyway, that's let's not drag that back up. You have, well, that's, that you have was, two more points. <laughs> and that was, uh, and that was uh, listener K Willie. Um, who yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain is a is a listener. So we'll uh, yeah. He's uh, he's at, done some he's done some art too, at, I believe. At at K Willie writes is the uh, yeah 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 Twitter handle. Cool, so who knows? Cool we guy. might be reading one of his books someday soon. We'll Excellent. See. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I no. It, it it's uh, um, it's true. Yes. Uh, the uh, uh but okay i wanted to make that a short point though is that is that uh, uh and let's let's see now that i now that i i found that let's see if uh hobbiton did end up winning that poll and by how much yeah 47.5% in a four four option poll 47.5% say hobbiton uh which just goes to show um <laughs> uh how 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 much how much Tolkien made that? Uh, ha- how well he did his job to to um, uh, to make you long to live in Hobbiton. Um, so, so okay. The other point I wanted to make was, uh, or unless should I? Are you about to say something? Should I stop you? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. The other point I wanted to make was, yes, we want to see heroes we can relate to. But we want to see heroes we can relate to who we have this deep desire, it seems, to have heroes who are tempted as we are in every way and yet without sin, (laughs) who overcome the obstacles we have in ways that we can't, that that we cannot reliably overcome our weaknesses. our frailties in the same way as the heroes we want to see. And that's because we have this longing to see Jesus. <laughs> yeah. We want to see Jesus <laughs> because though we have not seen him, we love him. And even, yeah. even those who do not yet love Jesus have this inbuilt desire to see him and to know him and to love him um, yeah. because we were made to worship Jesus. So we want to see heroes who are tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet without sin. Um, and and so I don't think it's wrong to give people that, and and which Tolkien did an amazing job of, which is why when you ask, who is the Christ figure in Lord of the Rings, you have 37 answers. Yeah. Um, because, because, well, that depends. <laughs> Which yeah. aspect of Christ do you want to see? Yeah. Um, because there are several characters that give you a great, a great look. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, yeah, go ahead. that's great. 
No, I mean, I you you brought up, sorry. What I did was I just was like, doesn't he write? He's got written something too, and I was trying to find his website. Uh, it is K Willie writes K W I L L E Y then writes W R I T E S dot com, and he has in fact um, a book series, or I guess I don't know if it's a series or if he's it's a potential series called Aspects of Sand, and also he's made a tabletop role playing game that is in the same universe and so he's he's a creative as well mm. and while we're talking about creatives and supporting creatives uh who don't hate us uh he's a good one to look at um, absolutely, absolutely. And, and also follow him at k willie writes so there we um, go he only has 460 followers and that is a uh tragedy but you have a third <laughs> you had a third thing didn't you i had a third i keep cutting you I off a, yes i had a third point was that okay what <laughs> what was my third point you you talked about okay you talked about um heroism you talked about pastoralism um what was the third thing you said that i wanted to jump off i don't know <laughs> um, making it was the one i was least least worried about forgetting which is why i said it for last Goes to show what I know about my own mind. Uh, anyway, <laughs> if you think but, of it someday, we can always go back to it. Yeah. Um, when you're re-listening to the episode, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That what I'm going to be really annoying. Um, but uh, uh, that's really frustrating because it was good. I swear, it was real good. Um, oh well. All right, I think we can get maybe one more episode in. Or one, sorry, one more question in. Um, one more question and, in the episode. And and she didn't give a second number for the second question, so maybe this is a two-part question. Um, they're kind of related. Um, but she specifically called me out. Iowa and Cap, not calling me out, but but Iowa and Cap mentioned in a Twitter reply that you thought Tom Bombadil was probably rightfully cut from the films. What do you think he represents in Tolkien's world? And uh, what do you think his role is in the books? And if you could direct a Hobbit movie, what would it look like? Um, I feel like I can answer the last one the quickest, so I'm going to pick that one first. If I were to direct a Hobbit movie, it would be whimsical. I think it's meant to be whimsical. It's an adventure tale. And I think um, this also ties into why I think it was right to cut Tom Bombadil from the movies. I know it's a controversial take. Um, but I don't think he fits in what those movies were were created to be. Um, and I think it makes sense why they could have pulled it off. They turned it, it because honestly, the difference between The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings is not as significant as maybe could be said. Like um, they they are both adventure stories. Um, but you could argue that the T Lord of the Rings is a little bit more mature uh, as a story. Um, and it is a little bit more epic, like really the, I mean, besides the dragon fight and the big battle at the end, there's really nothing epic about it. And even those Bilbo misses almost all of it. Like he's not around for the battle with the dragon. It's literally happening over there and he yeah. gets hit on the head and in passes out <laughs> he, he gets knocked out by a rock before the actual battle and he comes to at the end and it's all over 
And so we don't even see the battle. We're told about it in retrospect. And also the the, the, sh the scouring of the tower of Dal Guldur, that also happens off screen and is told about really only in the second book <laughs> uh, in The Lord of the Rings. And so I think... But at least yeah. they had that amazing theatrical, like Tony Hawk X Games barrel <sighs> barrel scene. That was in the books, right? Sorry. <laughs> Infuriating. Absolutely infuriating. <laughs> the moment I knew he didn't get the Hobbit. Like, can I tell you what the moment it was? I knew he didn't get the Hobbit. When it was oh, unclear. For me, for no, for it was before that for me. It's the trolls. Oh. He doesn't know what Aragorn's doing. He has, like there is no clear role for Aragorn in that scene. Not sorry, not Aragorn. Sorry, Gandalf. There's there's no clear role for Gandalf in that scene. He in, in, oh, okay. in the scene in the movies. Like, what is he doing? He's just running around, and then he announces the coming of the sun. Like, there's there's he's doing nothing. He accomplishes nothing in that scene. Bilbo does all the hard work of distracting them. Uh, it, but in the book, he's throwing his voices and making uh things, uh. And making them continue the fight even when they're about to come to an agreement, which once again gets back to the fact that this is a linguist writing the book and Gandalf's real power is words. Um, but, but, okay, so why? And so in, in the, the movies, what made the movies great, the Lord of the Rings movies, is they took the epic aspect of the book and added and made it an action epic, which. Fits Lord of the Rings. Even though Lord of the Rings isn't that, it fits that. And, and sure. it, it didn't feel wrong for that to be what it is. In the same as way an, that it felt wrong. Yeah. In the way right. that it felt wrong for it's for the Hobbit to be that. And um and I think part of his mistake, part of Jackson's mistake, was waiting so long to make the Hobbit movies so that we all had a chance to read the books. Those of us who were introduced to mm. Tolkien's world through the movies, we had a time to read the books and started and, and so then when we came back around, we might have just gone for it if he just made the Hobbits right away. The Hobbit movies right away. Um, but but it's just it was never gonna work for us. But but I think and so again. Tom Bombadil doesn't fit in that. And also, I do not think you can do justice to Tom Bombadil in the scope of a single movie. I think the only way you can make Tom Bombadil as a character work is if instead of a movie, you're making some kind of a serialized TV show or even a radio show of some kind. Like... There's no way you could spend as much time with Tom Bombadil as he needs in order to make sense as a character. And so I think the best thing to do is just let's just cut it out. We can jump right back right to Bree, that's fine. Let's let's just jump over the whole forest which kind of doesn't make sense. Although in, in book it does make sense because that's why they're scared of Fangorn. Right? They're they're afraid of Fangorn right. because they've been around living trees before and they almost ate them. Right. <laughs> Right. And uh but but I think well, it makes sense that, to jump over that. They actually put that in Fangor in the extended editions of the movies at least, which yeah. is to say the real one. Um <laughs> the they, canonical they, version. They actually they actually they actually put the old man willow scene 
Um, I'm frozen again, aren't I? No, 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 you're good. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Because you were frozen for me. Um, Just stuttering. But they put the, okay. They put the old man Willow scene in Fangorn Forest in the extended editions to, 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 because, because they cut. Uh, yeah. Bombadil yeah. and the and the and and uh, and and so and uh, it kind of it kind of worked it kind of worked for me there. Um, I do think one of the most important things about Bombadil that affects the rest of the story is that the ring doesn't affect him. Yeah, that he's completely immune to the effects of the ring, which yeah. raises extremely interesting questions about then how the ring actually works because it sure seems like the the ring almost works in another dimension or another plane or 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 something like that but it doesn't but tom bombadil is not an ethereal unconnected to this mortal plane kind of guy he's very connected to the ground, to the roots, yeah. to the trees, to the water, um, and so is so it, it. It's not. It's not that he's just sort of floating between realms, and so that it doesn't affect him because there's no difference to him. That's not what's going on there. Um, so there, there's something else about. Um, the rings effect on those who have a desire for power. I think, I think that's reflected then when mm. at the end of return of the King Gandalf says, I need to go talk to Tom Bombadil. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, and I think, uh, I, so I, yeah, I think, I think he, I think he alludes at um, a much deeper and more foundational thing that the ring was getting at yeah than just especially especially what you might get from the jackson movies yeah. although i don't think i don't think the jackson movies were unfaithful to some of the ways the effects of the ring are right. depicted but but because you don't have bombadil and because you do have a very clear visual representation of like these different kinds of worlds, different mm-hmm. planes of, of, or different dimensions or planes of reality or however you want to think about it. Um, because you get that so clearly visually depicted yeah. in the Jackson movies and because you don't have Bombadil, I think it can steer you into a misunderstanding of the ring, which yeah. for the purposes of the movies is fine, but for the purposes yeah. of the larger universe is going to be misleading. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. And it's, it's that, that feeling of depth and I think is, is an important thing that Tom Bombadil fulfills is uh, there's a, there's a sense of depth that he brings to the world. There's more powers in the world besides Sauron and the, and the wizards and the rings. Um, Yeah. Because and I think that's that's kind of what's going on there. That there's a depth to the world. There's something. There's other powers at work, and I think um, Bombadil also leads us to not be surprised at the many new catastrophes because he does show us that there are other powers in the world besides 
good besides evil and besides the 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 wizards and and the people who are fallible because Sauron Sauron falls. So there's there's fallible human beings and they're the ones over which the ring has power. Um and there are other powers deeper. Uh it's it's like um Tom Bombadil is so good. Like he's so righteous that the ring literally has no power over him to such an extent that it would be unsafe as the, the council later decides to leave the ring with him because he'd just forget about it. He would have, he just, right. he just leaving it. He just leave it sitting around and just like sweep it off or something like that. And, and then it's right back to maybe getting picked up by someone evil. And, and, uh, and so that, yeah, I think that's what Tom Bombadil, um, represents in, in the it's in, it's in some river again where it spends most of its time the rivers the real lords of the rings um <laughs> that's right um <laughs> the river the river the rivers held held the belt for the longest <laughs> um okay there, i was trying to see if i could not we can knock off another question but i think it's good it's best to stop uh <laughs> Um, so we've got two more questions from Katie room and then we've got the mound of questions from Patrick, uh, which we might be able to, um, knock off bits by bits over the, the following weeks, but, um, we're going to have to bring this episode I'm, to a close. I'm going to record a special eight minute episode for when I listen to this episode and remember what my third point was. Um, <laughs> So I'm tune gonna, into preambling for uh <laughs> for the, <laughs> the third point gonna, that Jeff forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um and and you know, it worked out for Rick Perry. I think I could probably become uh the the secretary of this whatever point I forgot. Um <laughs> worked out fine for him. Oh boy, it does happen. Hey, <laughs> at least he learned what it was eventually. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but forgot that he wanted to eliminate it. So you know. Uh, in some <laughs> <way>. <laughs> anyway, um, we are, um, but we're gonna bring this to a close. Um, once again, thank you, those of us, who, those of you who have been with us from the beginning, Patrick, Mom. Uh, we want to thank you. <laughs> Those of you who are catching up to us from a much later yeah, date, thank you. Uh, My wife, who's been with us from the beginning, but will hear this episode in a eh, month or two. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everyone else who's joined us along the way, um, this has been an absolute blast. Our first year uh, of, of podcasting and our first 50 episodes of podcasting and uh, 76 created show things <laughs> podcasting um i hope as we hit other milestones we'll, we're gonna come up with some cool things hopefully to, to do but i hope there are many more milestones ahead of us and uh you know maybe eventually we'll make a book we can sell maybe eventually we'll make something merch wise something that we can sell and make money on but uh for the time being it's just been a lot of fun um talking about the Bible, talking about theology, talking about politics, that whole intersection of everything. And uh, we've got some cool things coming up. Uh, next week could be something really cool. Um, we're we're uh, obviously I never want to make promises because things fall apart all the time. But um, uh, 
And and as Patrick said, may, says in the chat, maybe the anarchy were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> so here's the 50 episodes and to one year of anarchist Bible study and uh, to another. Uh, as we, of course, will raise the glass that uh, unofficially sponsors the cast. <laughs> so... In the meantime, make sure that you share this episode with others. Uh, we would love the exposure. Um, not in the literal sense. We, we'll keep our clothes on. But uh, we we would love for you. My, my brother really did, really, really doubted whether he wanted to watch the video version of exposing ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we would appreciate it if you would share this, though. Um, share this wide. Uh, and, and, of course, the simplest thing you can do is just like the video or uh, rate our podcast. Um, uh, and, yeah, if, you, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment. Uh, I know that st- sort of stuff games the algorithm. And, and we don't see a lot of people just slide in from random clicks, but they do sometimes. And uh, we would appreciate uh, every bit of help you can give us. Um, but, of course, um, uh, and also we just like the comments. We just like hearing from, from people. And, uh, of course, you can also send us an email. An anarchist we Bible study. We get a little study. more random people sliding in there. So if you're if you're one of those, um, yeah. then uh, then and, uh, send send that email to Tom Bombadil at Sir Not Appearing in This That's for the random ones. But if you want to send us a real email, <laughs> anarchist Bible study at gmail dot com, and That's uh, right. we'd appreciate oh, we that. We switched up the order. Maybe that'll we did. We flipped box, it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and of course, if you like what we're doing, you want to support us or you want to talk to us directly, spend some time with us in discord, um, five or $1 a month at buymeacoffee.com slash flyover. Um, that's buy me B U W Y me like you would expect it to, to read and a coffee again, like normal English does dot com slash flyover for a dollar a month. Uh, you can support us and what we do and, uh, help us to maybe, ex- uh, expand our, um, reach, expand our operations in some way. And we would really appreciate it. Um, we've, we've got dreams, we've got dreams. And, uh, of course also follow us on, on Twitter at I O W A N C A P. There it is. Now I'm pointing at it. At I-O-W-A-N-C-A-P, I-O-A-N-C-A-P, and J Park, J, letter J, P-A-R-K-Y-Y-C. Um, both of us uh, on Twitter, we are fun to follow. Um, and yeah. And I've stopped, I've stopped pretending that Twitter isn't my main platform now. Um, <laughs> I, for a while, fought back against that, but it's basically become my main my main thing now you've reeled me in you've reeled me in <laughs> that's right um uh and of course uh we haven't we haven't brought up any episodes although patrick did attempt to plug some um but it was good uh um came to patrick from came to carrasco check out his show he's been doing some really cool stuff on on the, uh, the book um what about evil i think it is that's what they've been reading lately and uh they have been getting into like narratives and uh the the mono myth is is the thing that they've been talking about a lot and those are episodes six, 162 to 165 but really just great show go listen to him um and uh yeah periapsis press 
from Katie Room, who's been providing all our questions for this AMA. And uh, uh, K. Wiley writes, who provided some helpful uh, conversation Willie. partner. K. Willie. Willie. K. Willie. Right. Willie. I don't know how you pronounce. We 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 never know. Um, we still don't two, know how to pronounce Bayshon. Two L's though. So so. Anyway, but um, ultimately and most importantly, join us again next week when we take anarchy to church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.